Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel one by one, while also having a nice little bit of libations while we do it. Ooh, libations. I like that. That's good. Um, not to toot my own horn or anything. <laughs> uh, we will be free of spoilers from future episodes of both series, but full-on spoilers for any episode that we have discussed, including the one we are discussing today. I'm Jason, and oh, I hate this episode. <laughs> I'm sorry to like show my hand early on, but oh, this was this was bad. I am Harrison, and if I could. I would like to go see Robot Chipmunks on Ice. Jason, which of your very, very favorite episodes are we watching today? (laughs) Uh, We are watching Angel Season 3, Episode 12, Provider. This is the one where, saddled with the responsibility of being a father and having to basically be the one person that Connor can depend on, outside of other people in Angel Investigations. Uh, Angel decides that uh, his, the new priority is money. Num- the, the One of three number one priorities <laughs> for Angel Investigations is to make money and proceeds to uh, have the team take a number of jobs in order to get a large payday. Mm-hmm. Provider was written by Scott Murphy and directed by Bill R. Norton and originally aired on January 21st, um, or as I seem to have written here in my in the script, 2021, 20, sir? <laughs> I'm not sure what happened there. Um, I mean, I'm, clearly I just accidentally put an R instead of a T. Um, uh, yes, but of 2002. All right. Uh, and now taking us into the intro is the house band. Hit it, boys. You know, I'm really disappointed with us and having an all-male band, um, so we really need to do something about that. Uh, but but they, did, they did such a good job. They're so talented. Mm-hmm. They're so talented. Uh, also, shout out to friend of the pod, Grace, who uh, did the music for our opening. Um, so, yeah. So, Jason. Yep. Tell us what we're drinking this week. Uh, I believe we're having uh, some fun glasses yeah. of red wine. Yeah. Uh, are these housewarming gifts, or have you always had these? These are new. Uh-huh. Yeah, they were um, my stepdad's parents um, gave them to us as a housewarming present when they came to our party. Um, and I feel bad because we didn't open it while they were there. We like pulled them out later and we were like, oh, it was a box of these uh, four stemless wine glasses, which mm-hmm. we don't have any stemless... Well, we do now, but we didn't have any stemless wine glasses. And then another box of like some really nice white wine glasses. Um, so really, really, I, I love a good wine glass. You know this about me. Um, so I was really happy to uh, to have received these. Um, so yeah, I thought I'd bust them out for for this episode. Also, apologies for if I sound a little weird. I've been battling a sinus infection for several days. I mean, I've I've had my allergies kicking me for a couple weeks now. So. Yeah, so I'm feeling like uh, today's been like the best. I'm like, I'm not, I, I think I described myself as a leaky faucet on Monday when I told Jason I couldn't record because I was literally like, 
I went to the movies and I was like the whole time I was so grateful that I was the only one in the theater because I was like the whole time I was like blowing my nose and like um so anyway um would you like to take us away on a toast Jason okay um this week happens to be uh, the biggest week of the year for the city of Louisville as uh Saturday we'll see the running of the Kentucky Derby and uh This is where all the biggest celebrations of the Kentucky Derby happen. And so this is a shout out to anybody whose work is affected Uh by this, especially those brave uh, restaurant workers. Um, And uh, yeah, like I think like people in the service industry just get absolutely pummeled this week mm-hmm. i mean so many it's people all, from out of town yeah it's already a rough job uh so th- this week is only gonna be rougher for them so i mean yeah like way, way stick with it and i hope that you guys have a not horrible week yeah. and that you see the end of it very soon cheers yeah i'm this not is a lot of wine yeah, they were, they were healthy pours. <laughs> I didn't really realize it until I like, kind of sat them down. I mean, it's all right. All right. So, before we dive in, Jason, mm-hmm. as, as you alluded to, you hinted at in the, in the opening, <laughs> uh, this was your pick for your worst angel episode when we did our hot takes. Yes. Um, so, I have two questions, one of which I already know the answer to. Um, but first is, why... Like, what about this episode? Put it at your bottom. Um, <laughs> bottom. And, and does it, after having watched it, remain as your worst episode? Or has it been supplanted? Okay, so answer the first question. Um, and we obviously will get more into it. But uh, the big one is that this is such a weird character shift for Angel. He's very much out of character for the majority of the episode. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we've talked about how he's changed since the birth of Connor, and that's fair. But the fact that they decide to, like, introduce this random obsession with money for one episode, and it leads to, like, a really cheesy kind of, oh, you know, money isn't money isn't everything. It's all about family. Like, I, I mean... We don't need that fast and furious ending here. Uh, But uh, no, it's... And the fact that like every plot point of this episode seems silly. Mm -hmm. And there's technical stuff that I didn't even remember that's really bad. Oh my god. Uh, We'll get into it. fucking lost it. We'll get into it. Um, This episode... Like, there are a couple of funny moments, but it's hard to tell if this episode was meant to be played for laughs or mm-hmm. if there's, like, actual serious stuff going on here. And even, like, a guest appearance by a young Jeffrey Dean Morgan doesn't make up for just this episode fails in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the answer to your second question, you know, I think I still have to go... As of... As of right now, now obviously we have some questionable episodes next season, yeah. uh, and, but with this fresh set of eyes and the deep discussions that we've done about Angel the Series, I think that that old gang of mine is probably supplanting it. Um, mm-hmm. I think that 
I think that this episode had worse storytelling, mm-hmm. but that old gang of mine has so many problems with it beyond the storytelling, and it does come off fairly racist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I also hated talking about that stuff. <laughs> um, not that I don't mind talking about like racism in media, but I, f- I hate being like the person that has to lead the discussion when being a white man talking about uh, these depictions of black men. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I feel very much out of my depth and very like unable to be an authority on it. Yeah. I, you know, I think I made this comment when we did our episode on Billy that I, in like in retrospect, I wish we'd had a woman come in and be on that episode with us. And I feel the same way about that old gang of mine. Um, I wish we had, we had brought um, a black person in. Not, you know, not that, we, we want to tokenize black guests for episodes like that. But in episodes like that, it is good for us, for that voice to be represented in the room. Yeah, um, and, and, like, I think and to a, have that perspective yeah. present as well. Because we obviously have our very own, like, experiences that are not similar to what's, uh, what's commonly... Hmm, maybe that's not the right word... That that are very like dissimilar to experiences of yeah. black people, particularly in this case, like young black men. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, episode... but even <laughs> even us dumb white boys can tell that that was some bad. That was some bad depictions of black men in that episode. Um, yeah. For for this episode, for me, I don't think I hate it nearly as much as you do, but I certainly don't like it. Um, I, and I'm, it's what I get frustrated about in this episode. Like you said, Angel's acting so out of character and to an extent I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not a parent. I have no intention of ever being a parent, but I imagine that becoming a parent, especially becoming a parent so suddenly and traumatically the way Angel was without expecting it and never expecting to be able to do that. I, I, you know, a, a sudden shift in priorities makes sense so i i absolutely believe that angel might suddenly with this responsibility of a child start caring more about taking on cases that pay in a way that he hasn't before and it's it's funny how angel and cordy kind of like slot places Mm -hmm. from their dynamic in season one in this regard so that i buy and that i actually think is a worthwhile thing to explore but, like, to me, the way Angel just suddenly only cares about money and has to be reminded about the mission by Cordy specifically um, is, one, too dramatic a shift and not interesting. I feel like there's a way you could have done this where Angel's struggling with that, like, I need to take on cases that pay money because I now have a child who I have to care for and feed and, yes, put away money for college all of this um like i wish we had gotten like the same idea conceptually but like that was angel maybe struggling with yeah the balance yeah it's not it's not the worst idea for an episode um but you look at the execution in this mm-hmm. compared to the execution of dad and it's night and day i mean mm-hmm. both both are meant to kind of show Angel's change of priorities with Connor and uh, 
and Dad does it fairly well. Yeah. Um, this episode, very poorly. Yeah. There was a moment in the episode, I think it was around the time that him and Jeffrey Dean Morgan are being attacked by the vampires, um, where I, I had this moment where I went, and it was it was like a line delivery or maybe a facial, like, like face expression that he made. But I went, oh my god, Angel's playing this episode like he's in, or Angel, David Boreanaz is playing this like he's Angelus, not Angel. Um, oh, and, when he's basically saying that he's not going to help this guy until he get paid. Yeah. Um, like he did, I think it was an expression he made with his face. Like he did mm-hmm. something that was so Angelus that I was like, wow, even like David Boreanaz either consciously or subconsciously, like is feeling like angels out of character. And if this, and in the end, if this all amounted to anything, if this all like had some kind of significance going forward, then maybe it would add a little more legitimacy to the episode, but it really just does feel like let's wrap this up with this Mm -hmm. like after school special ending. You could cut this episode entirely and not miss a goddamn thing. Even the whole You could stuff. cut scenes out of this episode entirely yeah. <laughs> and we'll talk about that later like, too. Like even the Holt scenes, which ostensibly should be moving the season plot along, don't. I like literally for already forgot about the Holt scenes. Right? Oh my god. The way I started to just stop paying attention, and that's not good when I'm like, we're watching these episodes. We know we're going to be talking about them like, you know, like we're actively paying attention in a way that like maybe we wouldn't if it was just a casual watch. And even then, these whole scenes, I start to lose focus because they're so fucking boring. So with all that said, should we dive in? Yeah. So uh, we open up with money being put into a classic uh, ceramic piggy bank. Mm-hmm. Um, Angel has... and. Again, like another thing is like this obsession with money just happens. Mm-hmm. Like it's right. Like there isn't there isn't some kind of like there's not even a looking at a bill that's overdue or mm-hmm. like looking at tuition to Notre Dame that sparks this in Angel. It's literally just a oh I need to start like putting money away. Yeah, and um, he has searched the cushions of the couches for change and found like a dollar <laughs> and a dollar and change and he's putting it into the piggy bank and then placing it into the vault um or the i guess the wall safe yeah that, yeah but not, it not feels like it should be a vault <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah angel is basically trying to make the business as profitable as he can because they have bills to pay he wants to like provide a future for connor and uh and at the, all this time cordy is uh holding connor and uh, she's like talking to him the way that like a mom would talk to a child, and uh, Angel's like, "Oh, hey, there's my little man," and uh, and Cordy does make a mention. Cordy does mention that like you know he she's like, "Oh, where's his daddy been?" And uh, you know this, it's kind of implied that Angel's like getting more and more active, trying to get money already, mm-hmm. so that he's like missing time with Connor. Which hey. That's a classic. That's a classic parent-child scenario. Oh yeah. I mean, think of like the the cats in the cradle song. Um, but oh, it doesn't help that we live in a society that like actively forces that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, parental leave is a fucking joke in this country, 
and and it's even worse for fathers, you know. Yeah. One one of the few instances in our society where women have it slightly better. I remember. Um, did you ever watch the CBS show Yes, Dear? No, but I. It was what it was like an odd sitcom, right? Yeah. Um, it was like I don't know why ugly that... guy, hot wife sort of situation. I wouldn't necessarily say ugly guy. I'd say like um, it, it, it's the uh, it, it's like kind of a dorky guy. Okay. And, but then again, his wife is kind of equally dorky. It's actually like a fairly decent pairing. Okay. And um, her uh, her sister, the wife's sister, and her husband are living in like the main couple's guest house and uh this sounds familiar i think yeah. this might have been one my parents watched I, I specifically remember an episode where um kim like kim and greg are the main couple and kim has just had a baby and uh greg and uh kim obviously is like i think i'm fairly certain she takes maternity leave but she asked greg to take paternity leave mm-hmm. and uh he felt really weird asking for it um and uh, the joke is that like he goes home like when he's staying at home he just wants to get back to work because yeah. he feels like uh, he feels like oh I thought I was going to be like you know busy all the time and stuff so uh, no it's actually um, I actually en- I actually remembered enjoying that show a lot um, also like fun Kevin Smith appearance it's like uh, not in that episode in particular but uh, that's like where he brought back Silent Bob for the first time okay so uh, fun. I just looked it up and I, cause I was like, it was like what you were saying was pinging some bells and I was like, is this the one that had Mike O'Malley? Yes. Yes. Um, it's the creator of that show did, uh, also did Raising Hope. Okay. Um, did you ever watch Raising Hope? I don't think I saw any episodes, but I saw plenty of commercials for it. I, Raising Hope is so fucking delightful. Um, in particular, Martha Plimpton who plays the mother character, she's just fucking hysterical. Mm-hmm. But um, there was an episode that has Michael Malley's character and his wife in it. Like, as a... Like a oh, a crossover? Um, oh, cool. Uh, yeah, I guess a crossover. I mean, it was after Yes, Dear had ended. Okay. But, like, I, I would it still was, call that a, It was their characters from... Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would still call that a crossover. Cool. I didn't even know that. Raising Hope, oh my gosh, is... I, it was just... I remember just one day... Like scrolling through it, I was like, "Oh, I remember hearing this was a funny show." It was after it had ended, and I just started watching it, and I was like, "This is—it's the premise is this young, like, kind of guy in his like early twenties who's kind of directionless in life. He lives with his parents, who are Garrett, uh, Garrett Dillahunt and Martha Plimpton. They're like white trash. Um, he has like a one night stand um, with this woman. Gets the girl who, pregnant. Yeah. yeah, she gets pregnant, and it turns out she's a serial killer. Oh, I didn't know that. And she, so like when she gets arrested and has the baby, she's in jail and he ends up raising the child. Um, and it's like, it's a pretty standard like dom you know, domestic sitcom mm-hmm. situation. But with this like serial killer is the baby's mom twist that, that's, on it. So that's that's kind of weird. It's really, it was so fun. I loved that show. Well, we're, we're waffling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll get back to it. Yeah. Uh, so... Fred has designed and launched a website for Angel Investigations um, that uh, Angel wants to be uh, classy. (laughs) And Gunn and 
Gunn and Wes have been posting uh, flyers all over town. Um, and Angel's like, oh, this is going to be so great. Like, you know, people are going to start, phone's going to start ringing instantly. And, uh, and Cordy does say, um, don't forget about the mission. Like, we work for the powers that be. And I like that um, that comes from Cordy, mm-hmm. having just experienced all of that stuff and her rededication to the mission by taking on those visions and having like her whole makeup change yeah. <laughs> uh, to be part of literal DNA is different. Yeah. Uh, so I like, I like, that's a nice touch. Mm-hmm. And uh, so while this is happening, uh, there's a guy, uh, oh, he is a vampire who's like running in the, running in the rain and he sees the flyer. We don't see what he's running from. But we see, he sees the flyer, he runs to a payphone, and, Lord, the first, so, then there's this split screen. I was going to say, was it the actual bit of the phone number being wrong? No, no, that's, 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 that's like, that's actually, split screen. That's actually, I feel like if the split screen hadn't happened, it would have been a good bit that I probably would have chuckled at. Okay, But the split screen is so awful because you have the vampire at the phone... Then you have this very terrible split, like the screen splits and shows the angel investigation team watching the phone. And then the screen splits again and you see the phone ringing at a pizzeria. And that's when Angel realizes, is that the, or no, Fred, Fred, pardon me. Yeah, Yeah, Fred points out that the phone number on the flyer is not theirs. It is, in fact, this pizza place. And again, that would have probably been a pretty funny bit. Except that this split screen is so bad. And I don't think... And I think I mentioned to Harrison... It, it feels like this... They use this like this is something that they use all the time. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we've seen this in Angel or Buffy up to this point. No. Even um, in like the earlier days of the show of, we, of Buffy. We get kind of variations on the split screen in... Um, in once more with feeling, but that episode is so stylized yeah. already. Yeah, I, that, I, don't, like, I don't count that. This is this is just bad. Yeah, it's not within the visual language of the show, and it, like, and that's like, fine. it literally made me do like a double take when it happened. It, yeah, I'm like what? It for me, it's totally fine to work outside of your usual visual language, like Buffy did on Once More with Feeling, but like, there has to be a reason. You know, what what sort of feeling is literally a musical episode. So they're already experimenting with style. This episode is not experimenting with anything. It's yeah. just th- this, yeah, the split screen is strange. And I, 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 I like the bit and I love Amy Acker's delivery of like, is that the right number? Um, and then everyone looking at Wesley, like that was, that was fine. But I, I agree. I think if it just been traditional cuts between the guy in the alley back to the Hyperion to the pizza place, Back to the Hyperion, like... It was so out of place. Now, I do... I did uh, think at one point in the episode that uh, all the different storylines were kind of... Kind of, like, experimenting with genre a little bit. Um, But I don't think any of the experiments went well. Like, they tried to tell three different stories, but they didn't tell any of them well. Yeah. Uh, They all get the short shift because... The episode just stuck with that. Stopped yeah. with them. Um, so the next morning, uh, Wesley has distributed the six thousand new flyers, 
and uh, and Cordy notices that the website uh, has some hits, and they start getting hella phone calls, and so Angel's very excited. Uh, let's go ahead and get just all the Holt stuff out of the way. Let's do it. Let's, yeah, let's just get fucking. Um, and I feel like yeah. we might have to do this for all of the stories. No, I actually was going to suggest they're... that we were going to like tackle each yeah mission one by one um but yeah so holtz apparently had a disagreement with justine um justine like killed two vampires that holtz said to walk away from and so holtz is saying oh i don't i i don't know if you're like committed i don't know if i can trust you and uh it's revealed that he has impaled her hand and (laughs) that's not directed at you that is directed at this yeah and storyline yeah and holtz and holtz says that uh he needs warriors that um are committed to the cause and uh he's like saying why did you agree he also asked her like why'd you agree to do this she's like oh it's better to feel something than nothing at all which is i mean i i hate to bash this actress but her delivery of that which should which seems to be like the most important line that she has in the episode was not delivered well. Mm-hmm. Like I am like, sorry, Laurel, Laurel Holloman, but I, I just am not buying it from you. Mm-mm. Like what they're trying to do with the character, Justine. And you know, it's not the best writing, yeah. but it's also not the best acting either. And it does not help that Holtz is still like any of his non angel scenes are just, they, yeah, they're bore, and he says that um, she can take the she can take that dagger out anytime she wants, but uh, if she stays there and is there when Holtz comes back, then he will like you know reassess whether um, like their partnership, yeah. and uh, so we have more of like the main story of the episode, and then we get back to this. Uh, Justine is still there, Holtz. Um, Holtz takes the dagger out and says, I need you to find people like us, people who have experienced the pain. And again, this should be compelling, but it's the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what, what it is that um, I, I'm not even going to attempt to uh, <laughs> to do like Keith. Shajabrava? Jarabashka. Jarabashka. Like, I'm... I don't know how he's able to take this dialogue, which isn't the best, but it's not the worst either, Mm -hmm. and just make it seem so boring. Yeah, I don't know what it is either, because I don't think he's... I was looking looking at his Wikipedia page, and he's like a ton of credits, and I did notice that uh, the vast majority... Of, of his credits are voiceover work which I can totally like, his, oh yeah his voice his is delightful voice is so compelling but it's like I don't necessarily like it's not that he's bad it's just that he's I don't know everything about this character from the writing to the acting is just not landing for me yeah and it really should be because like I, I know we've said this ad nauseum, but like the idea that conceptually this character is so interesting. Someone from Angel's past, as in Jealous, who has a legitimate grievance against him coming back in the present day. Like, what a great villain for yeah. a show that's all about redemption. 
so why is it yeah. so boring? Yeah, and I think that the reason that it's not compelling makes it incredibly frustrating. Yeah. Um, uh, I do want to bring this up. Um, I did mention in the episode where Justine was uh, introduced the kind of accepted theory that it, this character was meant to be Kate Lockley. Um, but Elizabeth Rome was uh, unavailable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned that I was going to try to find like sources to confirm yeah. this because I was like, I, I just, I'm not sure if that's true or not or just a rumor. Uh, so I want to give a shout out to the lovely people on Reddit. Uh, I went on and I was just like, hey, here, I know this is like the rumor and kind of the accepted thing by most people. Does anyone have an actual source, an interview, a commentary, something? And the general consensus from everyone was like, no. Like, this has never, to anyone's knowledge, been said in an interview by anyone related to the show. I, I, I think this is just one of those situations where it feels like this character could have been Kate. Some alterations, obviously, mm-hmm. would have had been done slightly differently. And then this kind of rumor just took on a life of its own. And there are several of those I mean, yeah, related and also to like, these shows. Yeah, and it does, and it does kind of line up with. Kate's departure at the end of last season mm-hmm. and um, Justine being introduced this season. Yeah. Um, it's it, And, you know, the fact that, like, oh, I have a... I have a sister that was killed by vampires and Kate had a father who was mm-hmm. killed by vampires. It, it lines up a little too well. But also, I mean, maybe the writers just had the idea for Kate Lockley to go down a certain way mm-hmm. and they just had this character type um so maybe they had that plan for later on it's entirely and, possible yeah and they wanted to and you know kate uh elizabeth rome left the show they wrote her out and but they still kind of like that character type so maybe not necessarily meant to be kate lockley but in the vein of kate lockley yeah. i will say obviously it would have to be different i mean i think the way you do this if it is kate is that she just doesn't know that angel is the specific target mm-hmm. i think from there you can actually kind of keep most of justine's stuff the same i mean at this point justine doesn't know yeah that angel is the target so it just i don't know i feel like maybe i would be more compelled if just if this were kate a character well, because they, yeah 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 the, because at this point we've seen her go through the ringer yeah um, not the Sarah Michelle Gellar ringer. No, <laughs> but it's a, one time whilst Lauren is out, uh, he is trying to get information for Angel because Angel does state that um, he has stated that uh, you know they're, they're like making money is their number one priority, and uh, he then talks to Lauren and says like, oh, I need you to find out about Holtz, keeping Connor safe from Holtz, number one priority. And then, uh, and then Corey's like, "What about the mission?" He's like, "The like the mission for the powers that be and making money and <laughs> stuffing holes are three number one priorities." That bit was funny. I like. Yeah, that. It, it was. Um, but now the Hyperion Hotel lobby is full of clients, and uh, I will the- say, despite the context of this, I am I am happy to see their business thriving. Like I like that for them. No, uh-huh. yeah, like you want. Well, I mean, at this point, we want to see the team succeed. Yeah. And uh, and it looks like they've kind of got a bit of a rhythm. I mean, they do. And obviously, like, one of the flaws of, like, the take as many cases as you can get um, is uh, seen at the end of the episode when they are inc- when the team is incredibly stretched thin. Yeah. Uh, so 
Yeah, uh, Lorne is, uh, and Lorne is also helping out as a uh, translator. There's a group of Najra demons that uh, want to hire Wesley because they have read articles that he has written about uh, demon DNA. Uh, they say that they want his big brain. And uh, uh, Fred is there whilst um, uh, Lorne is relaying stuff to Wesley and uh and she says and the demons say that there's a puzzle that needs to be solved for the uh the prince or something for the prince yeah for like the a celebration for the prince or something like that and um and fred gets excited he's like oh of course you can tell these guys are like all about the puzzles and math because look at these geometric sequences on their robes and everything and so the uh, demons uh, have a discussion and then leave and Fred's worried that they uh, that she offended them uh, meanwhile Gunn talks to a uh, girl named Allison who says that she has been that she is being stalked by her ex-boyfriend and I swear this girl reminds me of the actress who plays this girl reminds me so much of the actress the original Laurie actress on that <laughs> 70s show specify the original yes um and I know it isn't, but I, I couldn't like look at her and not see Lori. Yeah, even the hair is somewhat similar too. I will say, of all the plots of this episode, I think this one was my favorite. Um, like, I think you could actually take this her plot of the you know dead soccer boyfriend who the twist is that she killed yeah i think you actually could sustain an episode around this concept it would be you it it reminds me of it reminds me of earshot and how like you know everything's focused on jonathan yeah uh but in the end like the person who wants to kill all the kids is uh, the lunch lady lady with the rat poison (laughs) yeah i think you i think you could sustain an episode around this concept provided that it's a deliberate comic episode um i think if you tried to take this into the drama route um it wouldn't work um but like the the moment where she reveals later on spoilers that she's the one who killed him i thought that was really funny i laughed like i was like yeah that's a good comic twist but yeah um she's being stalked by her ex-boyfriend uh and and uh gun thinks this is like a traditional stalker case but it's revealed they're like, oh, he's dead. Uh, so guns thrown, but only for a second. Yeah, <laughs> he um, just has to recalibrate. Yeah, and uh, she's gone to the police. Police think that she's crazy, um, and uh, and then, um, okay. So wow, I'm already doing a good job of summarizing this episode. <laughs> uh, Angel gets a call uh, from. Uh, well, first I, I do need to note that. Um, with all of the business that the that the that the company's getting now, uh, Angel's talking to Connor, and he's saying, um, "Oh man, this is going so well. If this gets any better, I may have to incorporate." <laughs> and um, and then he like says, uh, "This is great. We can like plan for college. Uh, isn't that right, Notre Dame class of 2020?" And of course, Angel picked Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish. Um, I'm not saying that Notre Dame isn't a isn't a good school. I mean, it's a very good yeah. college. Um, I, I I like his just attraction to it. Uh, simply be, and 
I don't know if it goes beyond it being like it's Irish roots. Oh, I think that's absolutely yeah, it. Yeah, that's it's the joke. Pretty consistent trait for Angel mm-hmm. that his connection to his Irish roots, even back in Buffy when he gave Buffy the Clotter ring. Like, yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, you, you wouldn't. I could easily see uh, him, like you know, him wanting Connor to stay nearby. And I mean, you know, you're in L.A., so you. You're right near UCLA, <laughs> um, which is another fantastic school. Notre Dame is in Indiana, Indiana right? Yes. Um, I don't remember exactly where it is, because um, there's like an all, I think there's an all like girls college near there as well. Um, it's not Noblesville. It is in... It's in Notre Dame, Indiana. <laughs> See, I thought that it was like near like a city that's further north. Um, anyway, uh, An- uh, Angel decides to pick up a phone uh, to help out like the overwhelmed uh, crew, and he gets a he gets a call from a businessman, and so it looks like it's going to be a pretty big payout. So he decides to uh, go after that. Um, leaving uh, Connor with uh, Cordelia, and so let's. So we have these three. We have these three jobs. We're gonna tackle them one by one in full, uh, and let's just go ahead and start with Angel. Yeah, um, and maybe end with Fred and Lauren. Oh yeah, that yeah. Well, like the, the, well, yeah, because that's where everything leads to. Yeah. Uh, so Angel um, goes to this uh, businessman named Harlan Elster, who is played by, or who we think is played by <laughs> Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and uh, he says that there is a like low-income housing place that has been taken over by vampires, and he wants the nest to be destroyed. Uh, and he makes a lot of like jabs, like, oh, like they wanted blood, but now they just want cash. Can you imagine a vampire like wanting? Like trying to go after money, joke landed with a fucking thud. <laughs> it didn't even land with a thud. It hit the ground and kept going. Yes, this is Jeffrey Dean Morgan, uh, and this is like pr- before. I feel like this is before he was like really big in anything. Oh yeah, because um, like... I think his first. I think the first time I heard about him. Now was he the comedian in uh, in the Watchmen movie? Yes. Okay, but, but that would have been like, like two thousand and. Eight. Eight. 2009. 2009. So I think maybe before this, his first like really big thing that I started hearing his name in was Supernatural mm-hmm. because he portrays the dad of Sam and Dean. Yeah. Okay. I've never watched and, it. Um, I just know that yeah. that's true. And, uh, but yeah, like that's, that's been, that was one of his big things until he, uh, um, as I said, he was in Watchmen and then um, he did like kind of a string of smaller things, but I think Probably the thing he's most well known for at this point would be uh, Walking ne- Dead. Negan as yeah. the, in The Walking Dead. Um, I also know him as uh, I, I'm just I'm on his Wikipedia page right now, and he actually before before he did Supernatural, like a string, like he's been do, he's been acting since oh I'm sure ninety one, but um, yeah, I remember him in. Uh, weeds um in i think the first season she plays she he plays um nancy's 
husband who died before the start of the show. He appears in like a couple flashbacks or or like a video or like a it's like a home movie that he appears in. Oh, I actually think um he's he was also in a he was also um what's his name? Denny in uh, Grey's Anatomy. Um, yes, yeah, he had a recur- that he recurred in seasons two, three, and five in Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, he uh, he played a fairly important character to uh, Catherine Heigl's Izzy. Okay, um, and yeah, he was he is like one of I do remember him as being like kind of one of the oft remembered uh, guest stars mm. of the show. He's apparently going to be in the upcoming season of The Boys as well, um, and he's getting his own Walking Dead, yeah, uh, spinoff show. Uh, so, yeah. But yeah, like, uh, but yeah. Unfortunately, his character doesn't have like a lot to do in this. Yeah. It's so funny because like when I when I whenever I see Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I think you're like the white Benicio del Toro, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, well, and it was funny because I I remember seeing him in the episode and being like, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is like, he, I I think Jeffrey Dean Morgan is really hot. Baby Jeffrey Dean Morgan here doing nothing for me. Like he, he really, I he's feel really like aged into his looks. Yeah. Um, oh, okay, you can see like the the jawline and stuff uh-huh. looks familiar, but he he seems to be like a much more kind of like Joe Everyman I sort like of the guy. Salt and pepper that he's got nowadays. Also, can we just talk about uh, him and his friend? Friend. Friend, you're giving me nothing, Jason. <laughs> I know I'm making you sound stupid. So you think it was like a, a boyfriend? Oh, absolutely. It, it's so weird the way the way he's acting. For some reason, in my head, like I seem to keep remem- I seem to. I think I remembered it as like his brother. Right? No, it's I'm right there with you. And not, listen, not to downplay like intimate friendships between heterosexual men, or you know, not or just generally between men that are not romantic. Like, I understand how important those are. And the, like, the, like, the lengths that he goes to does make it seem like there was something a little more... Yes, and, like, it would have made more sense if it was his boyfriend or his brother. Mm-hmm. Like, um, or some relation... The way he just keeps saying friend. Not even best friend. If he maybe, if he just said my best friend, my childhood friend... Yeah, it was too racy for the, for, uh, the WB at it the time. It was just bugging me. Um... But yeah, so uh, Angel goes to um, Elster and uh, Elster says like he wants, like he's giving him $5,000 right now to take the job and then $5,000 after um, after the job is done. And he tells Angel that like these vampires killed his friend, um, Jack or something. Uh, so Angel's like, you know, super excited. He takes the check, leaves. And right when he leaves, you get the convenient actual Harlan Elster coming in <laughs> telling him like what are you doing in my office get out of here um so Angel goes to the nest and he uh takes out uh three of the vampires there and thinks that like oh you know that's that's pretty much it um and he goes back to the office finds the real Harlan Elster and uh says yeah so this guy is basically a guy that uh, I fired six months ago. Um, he, uh, I also can't remember like much of the details of that. Yeah, his name's Sam Ryan. Um, he was just yeah. kind of a generic factory worker. Yeah, and he was basically trying to uh, 
convinced like he was trying to hire somebody to he was trying to get El- the real elster to hire somebody to clean out the vampire nest and so he thought that he had gone insane i did think that I, it was funny because while um sam was telling angel about the about the nest he's like you know this guy's pretty uh pretty like chill with the existence of vampires uh oh no i don't think i don't think he believes him he makes a comment to angel about like people taking advantage of someone who's in that no 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 no. i'm talking about like when sam is originally masquerading as elster oh and he I talks see. about I vampires see. it's like yeah i mean he's, he's like it's like he's he knows that he knows that he knows what's up my apologies i misunderstood no it's okay um but yeah and uh but then uh he says that there's like some kind of treasure in the vampire lair and um this makes angel immediately perk up and say treasure because I mean, he doesn't have the he doesn't have the check anymore. The check's no good. Um, so he goes back to the nest, finds Sam there, and uh, says like, "Oh, hey, you lied to me." Um, and Sam was like, basically trying to find this watch. And uh, when Angel like takes it off of him, he's like, "Oh, so what is this uh, Rolex?" He's like, it's a Timex. Like, oh, what what like what else does it do? Is like open portals or something? Like, no, nah, it can glow in the dark. Um, which is kind of funny but i feel like the whatever tone they're trying to get for the scene it isn't humor yeah it's and uh and and so he says like look at and uh angel says like well look you still owe me ten ten thousand dollars for killing three vamps and uh sam says seven it's like okay fine we can make it seven thousand like no there were seven vampires so there are four more they uh they hide from them and uh yeah, like as we said before, Angel has this moment where like he's not even gonna try to help uh, Sam unless he gets the money. Yeah, and uh, you know Sam doesn't have the money to do it. He does, like he he doesn't have his own car. He rents. Uh, he doesn't own a house or anything. And uh, so we get this like dumb, well-meaning but dumb kind of like realization from angel that he basically kind of like says oh like you know there's stuff i have to worry about as being a champion but i also have to remember to be a champion yeah. and uh and so he decides to like he, he lets the vampires in he dusts one of them and the others like escape and uh angel basically stops it like says oh i don't like he doesn't need the money from sam anymore and uh, his phone's going off and he's trying to answer it and uh, as Cordy mentions to Connor in a very bad scene, oh, um, the uh, Cordy says, uh, your dad doesn't even know how to work the voicemail on his phone. And so Angel's trying to answer his phone, but uh, Samuel's out. I think that's on voicemail. And you really like that because of just how... Like, I like that, because, but it's it's a it's an established joke that's already been happening. Yeah. It's not just some random thing that comes up in this episode. Right? No, it, it is really funny just how, how bad Angel is in technology. Yeah. This whole plot line with Angel, it's the worst part of the episode. And I think part of that is because it's Angel. And our big problem with this episode is Angel acting so far out of character um, in a really boring way. Yeah. Um, and so every time we're in these scenes, I'm like, like I'm like, the storyline already is just kind of dumb. Like, um, and Angel's such a dick. Like, I get, I, I get him being pissed and being tricked, like all of this, but like, 
I don't know. I just like I said, it's not something that we would have seen like Angel at any point in the series so far past like the past like the first couple episodes of season one that we yeah. didn't see him do. I could see him being pissed off at being like hoodwinked by this guy yeah. like that. But the I, I guess maybe this is it. The like active refusal to fight the vampires really bugs me. No, it's not good because he. He'd be he'd be fighting these vampires. He'd be tossing off shitty comments at Jeffrey Dean Morgan the whole time, and he'd be annoyed as hell. But he wouldn't just be like, "Well, if you're not going to pay me, I'm not going to do it." Yeah, it's it's, it's it, it is a fundamental lack of understanding of the Angel character that I'm gonna. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry to Scott Murphy who wrote this episode, but I am gonna. I'm sorry. I'm about to throw you under the bus um, because that's what's happening here is a fundamental misunderstanding uh, of the Angel character. This mm-hmm. is one of two episodes that he wrote. Uh, the other one was uh, Carpe Noctum, yeah, um, which also is not a great episode for Angel the character. Yeah. So, um, while we're, while we're talking about like this Cordy recap scene, uh, Oof. yeah, this scene where everybody else is on their missions, Cordy is watching Connor and she says, she basically recaps everything that happened in the episode prior mm-hmm. to Connor. And in the end, nothing comes of it. It's like literally the, the most valuable information that you get from this that you didn't already have was that Angel doesn't know how to work his voicemail. And that was specifically for the bit at the yeah. end of the storyline that we just discussed. Here, and here's the thing. I, 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 scenes like this were not uncommon in this era of television. But because, you know, we didn't have streaming services right. and stuff like that. If you missed an episode, there was not always... A, an immediate way to watch it before the next episode yeah. came out. So scenes like this aren't super uncommon, but like you could take this out of the episode yeah, and it would not affect this anything. This is egregious. Because, Usually it's like a mention, you know, some sort of offhanded mention so that you know like this happened in the previous episode. This is a whole fucking monologue. Yeah. And they try to play it off like it's oh it's just cutesy Cordy talking to the baby. But it was like the whole time, I mean, both of us were sitting there like, why are we doing yeah, and I this? Yeah, and I kept waiting for her to like get a phone call from Fred or something like that. Um, anything to lead her to the other storylines. Yeah. But that didn't happen. Like it just cut off when she finished um, doing this recap of the last episode. Yeah. And I'm like, you could have taken that completely out. Like I think they, they put it in there for the runtime, yeah, which is kind of crazy because... You have so many storylines in this episode. How did you fall short of your runtime? Yeah, the only thing that comes of it, and I don't, I, and I do think that it actually is a separate scene. It's still like the same scene, but I do think it's intercut with something else. Is her getting the vision of Fred? Right. But it's so long to get there, and like the only thing I can think of where I like I remember thinking this is um, something similar happening is in the second episode of Lost. I think it's Sawyer. Actually, you watched it more recently than I have, so you probably could remember better than I. Um, I think it's Sawyer who does a big recap of uh, the information they got from the pilot about them being like off course. 
But I'm going to be way more forgiving for that because one, it is that information is being shared with other characters. Yeah. And also there's so much happening so early on in the show. Yeah. It's, it's also important that for people who missed the first episode, because it's really common for the second episode of a show to kind of almost pilot again um, or have really heavy exposition that you got in the first episode yeah. because they are expecting people to be kind of joining on gradually. In fact, and, and also, typically a pilot is written, there's a lot of time in between when a pilot is written uh-huh. and when the next episode yeah. is written. And hell, that was super helpful for me because the part two of the pilot was the first episode of The Lost I Ever Saw because I missed the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm willing to forgive it if it's episode two of a series, not season three, episode 12. So um, let's go to the uh, the Wes and Gunn storyline where they are helping this girl. And we've kind of already said what happens. Um, they go to her house uh, and she mentions that, uh, that Fred, or in this case, like the brunette girl with uh sounds like she's from texas yeah is um said that like oh they're very inspiring and this is where we the main reason why i don't like the storyline is because it introduces the west mm-hmm. the west fred gun love triangle which i hate yeah i i hate it i mean it, this is sorry guys this is gonna become a thing for the series, and I don't like it. Yeah. Um, at, we've mentioned before that Gunn has had, like, you know, some cute moments with Fred. There haven't necessarily been, like, any indications apart from that, uh, like, that experience that Wes had with um, Fred when he, like, got... Uh, uh, and Billy. Yeah, and Billy. Yeah. Um, but there wasn't anything to suggest a... Like, the attraction, the same kind of attraction that Gunn feels for her. Yeah, I've actually been quite shocked as we've been watching through it. Because, yeah, I was like, I know you we're You were waiting heading... for it to, like, get dropped. Yeah, but... I was wait- I knew we were heading towards this love triangle, and I'm right there with you. But, uh, just generally a love triangle is yeah. annoying. But I remember being like, okay, they, they have been sowing the seeds for Gunn's attraction to fred we've been and and we've been dropping like little hints and nuggets Mm -hmm. about it as it's come up um but it does as i I was watching for like when are we going to start to see the same from wesley apparently this episode yeah and and it like and it it feels like it's almost introduced specifically to make these love triangle jokes that like oh now they uh they they both have the hots for fred and so they're like going to kind of be a little, like, adversarial towards each yeah, other. Which I hate. And no, no, I, I do hate that. Um, Especially since season two and early season three has done so much work, uh, particularly the Pylea arc, of really cementing this friendship between Gunn and Wesley. Like, yeah. I, I make jokes, I'm like, Gunn and Wesley, best buds. But, like, legitimately, they are, yes. they are really close to one another. And it just, fe- this triangle is drama for drama's sake and I don't like it. And it is and it's even worse when it's like I mean if it was just a random character that was like a one-off or just like a couple of episodes and it's like a small arc that Gunn and Wes go through then it I it wouldn't irk me as much as it is like taking these main characters and putting like another 
of course, female character, mm-hmm. because what can ruin the friendship of two men? A woman! A woman. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... Love triangles are seldom actually good. I, I'd say that... Um, now, I haven't seen the entire series, but seeing as how like the pr- one of the main premises of The Vampire Diaries is this love triangle between... Um, more or less Elena, Stefan, and Damon. Um, since that's like kind of one of the underlying themes of the show, and more details about it without going into spoilers because I know you're interested in watching yeah. it. Um, it. It is a it is a key part of the show, and while it can like be like CW drama and soapiness, um, it's still like it's an interesting path to take. Yeah. But this this is like unnecessary. Um, I'm honestly surprised that Evangeline Lily isn't somewhere near here for, for a <laughs> love triangle. Speaking of love triangle, <laughs> that one is. Um, Which actually, one? The one in The Hobbit no, or the one in Lost? I actually, I, I will say, the one in The Hobbit is more egregious. The one on Lost is frustrating, but it actually does serve some purpose at, in character growth. The one in The Hobbit, one, was studio mandated and added in reshoots. Yeah. And she was pissed about it as she should as be. she should be um but yeah no the love the one time i'm like i really liked a love triangle because I, I thought the show just took a really interesting route with it is on sense eight did you ever watch sense eight no but i know you're a fan of it i'm a fan i it's it's a messy show it wears its heart on its sleeve and it's sometimes super fucking corny but but also i love that about mm-hmm. it like um but there is so the core concept of the show, these eight people finally have, they have this psychic connection with one another yeah. from across the globe. So Kala, who is an Indian woman, she's a scientist. Uh, the, uh, Martha Jones is in that, right? Yes, Freema Adjaman. She plays uh, the love interest of one of the, the sensates. Uh, and she's so great. Oh my God, I love her. She's great in Doctor Who. Uh, yeah. yeah. We, we, are, we are Martha Stans. Um, and it's a show that sometimes forget the, forgot that Martha existed even when she was on it. Um, but uh, so Kala is she's in like an arranged marriage with um, oh I can't remember the character's name um, but then she starts to develop feelings for Wolfgang who's one of the members of our cluster and the first season it's very much like the guy she's in an arranged marriage with they don't connect at all she has actual feelings for this other dude that she knows then season two complicates it by showing the other side to this guy she's in this arranged marriage with, and she starts to actually develop feeling like real feelings and connection to him. And the show ultimately ends with them kind of in a polyamorous relationship. Um, and I remember watching that arc through the show and being like, I love this. This is great. And I'm not saying that that's how all love triangles should be resolved, but for that show specifically and those characters, it was such a great story to watch unfold. Um, so shout out to Sensei. It's a great show. It's a good show. Uh, let me. <laughs> it's a good show. It's a good show that I really like. Uh, but yeah, like to sum this up really quickly, uh, you know, Wes is trying to be impressive about all the stuff that he thinks that it might be. Guns like it's probably a zombie, and it turns out that it is a zombie. Um, Allison's ex boyfriend was a. Uh, as she describes, needy and clingy, and uh, that's why she ended up killing him. 
the troll the, the way it's revealed is that it's just the same when we were dating and that moment of everyone being like I'm sorry what yeah and uh, yeah like Brian does eventually get in um, but yeah he sulks and uh, and you know Allison uh, after admitting that she poisoned him decides that she wants to get back together with him and uh, Wesson kind of like, what the hell? They just uh, they just bounce. So yeah, they, they do. They're like, uh, so that'd be cash or credit. <laughs> yeah. I I'm with you that I hate that this storyline introduces the love triangle, but I actually do think the foundation of the story has. I think it's because it's the only story that didn't take itself too seriously. Yeah, no, you're right. Like, yeah, it, like everything else seemed to like try to have a lot more depth than it actually did. Yeah, uh, which leads us to the final story of. Um, the, let me get those. The Nadra? Is that the right? Nadra, yeah. The Nadra come back and say that they now want Fred's big brain to, um, to solve the puzzle for the prince. Uh, Lorne, after coming back from his, uh, uh, slightly inebriated, uh, trip to find out information about Holtz. And, uh, and, and he does relay to Angel that, um, Holtz killed the demons that uh, were he was originally working with in Lullaby, and uh, now is looking to hire like, like is now looking to recruit humans. Uh, but all information we knew, yeah. I mean, I guess it is important. It, it's but it's important knows. that Angel knows it, but I mean, he's pretty distracted by it. He yeah. basically just tells Lauren that he needs to go with uh, with Fred so that he can translate. Um, they're at a they're at a houseboat. It's a um, barge. It is a barge. Okay, and the Buffy yeah. Wicket says houseboat. Um, <laughs> Sorry, this is so funny because I don't know how you could mistake the two. And well, let me let me. I was originally going to say barge. But I was going with that. No, I, I I I have a family member who owns a houseboat and like lives most of the year on her houseboat. Um, Whoever made that edit, like, there's just obviously doesn't know what a houseboat is because there's there's not a world in which you can mistake a barge mm-hmm. and a houseboat. <laughs> They're on a barge, uh, and the reason that they uh, very eagerly take this case is because the uh, the demons offer fifty thousand dollars in nice little uh, briefcase, and so Fred and Lorne, yep, it says. Lorne accompanies Fred to the houseboat where the prince of the Najra demons is staying. I guess that boat is technically their house. So, yeah. I mean, it's not um, wrong. So, <laughs> yes. So, uh, they take a picture of them, offer them hors d'oeuvres, and then Fred starts working on the puzzle. Uh, Lorne gets to a point where he's feeling sick and needs to go to a another... <laughs> this is the Buffy... Ep- this is the Angel episode, uh, misusing a word, of vomitorium. Which uh, John happened to be watching the episode with us at that moment and said, "That's not what that is." <laughs> he, it, it's it is it is one of his big pet peeves. I knew I knew the second misuse but, of vomitorium or misuse of words in general, specifically the word vomitorium. I okay. knew I knew the second Lord's before John said anything. <laughs> this is just a testament to how long we've been together. Um, I knew he was going to get annoyed by it, uh, and he's watched the episode with me, so there's a chance that just he got annoyed when we watched it. 
the time he watched Angel with me. Yeah. And I just kind of subconsciously remembered that, but I also just know vomitorium is yeah it's it is not a place to vomit it is a uh essentially um a, a, an exit way from a stage so then we get oh boy so lorne uh finds a place where the he sees the prince of the demons and he's not in the best of shape uh and they have a computer pulled up. The demons have a computer pulled up that shows a side-by-side of the prince's face and and Fred's face, which they then demon. which they then photoshop to put Fred's face on top of the prince's face. It's so just funny. in case you couldn't figure out what they were doing. Here it is spelled out for you in the dumbest way possible. It gets even worse though because then they're like, "And we're gonna sew the head on," and someone draws. They actually draw stitches on the picture. Oh my god, it's it's so dumb. It is so dumb, but I that's so dumb. It hurts. I could not stop laughing. I was. It's it's my favorite part of this episode. It is so fucking stupid. That it like looped back around to just delighting me. I I am so happy that it is in here. I mean, if this were a good episode and that happened, I'd be like, what the fuck? I'd be furious. But it's not, I was like, this episode's already a lost fucking cause. So fuck it. Sure. Give us this awkward photoshopping of Fred's head. <laughs> it's so dumb. They copy and paste it. So dumb. Oh my <gasps> god. Can't stand it. Sorry, uh, I'm so, back. I'm I'm me again. So I ascended yes, so, for a second, but so I'm he, in my uh, body. So um the the demons see that Lorne that Lorne witnessed all of this, and so they knock him out and tie him up. Uh, Cordelia has the vision of the Nadra demons and uh, what's going to happen to Fred. So she tries to call the rest of the team. Nobody's answering because they were occupied with the stories that we already talked about. So Cordy takes Connor and the fifty thousand dollars, goes to the barge, and offer. And uh, Fred is solving the puzzle. They are very pleased, and poor Fred. She's like, "Oh, are we, are we going to celebrate?" <laughs> and as they're dragging her and strapping her into a chair uh, next to the prince, and. Uh, that's when she sees Lauren tied up and he's about, and he's explains like, yeah, so they kind of want to cut off your head and put it on to their prince yeah, because they yeah. wanted her, they literally wanted her big brain. Yeah. Um, Cordelia shows up. She is returning the money in exchange for Fred and Lauren, I would assume. Uh, <laughs> Lauren translates and adds that, uh, oh, they're surrounded by killer warriors. However, he can't see. He just assumes that Fred, that Gunn, Wes, and Angel are there, which they aren't. However, uh, they both show up. All three of them show up in the nick of time. Uh, Angel, of course, has to go come in through the skylight. He pulls a uh, Brian, yeah. <laughs> uh, and they're able to defeat the demons. Uh, I believe, uh, like. Wes ends up like tossing the briefcase to decapitate the prince, which is, I mean, was going to happen anyway, but <laughs> much, much quicker way of doing it now. 
And uh, so this is when Angel's like, oh, I'm sorry, guys. I got carried away. Um, you know, it's about family. Family and the mission are the most important things, not the money. But uh, that's when Cordelia says, like, you know, they were going to cut off Fred's head. We earned every cent of that. So they, I agree. Yeah. So they, <laughs> so they, they decide to, instead of using the briefcase... Put the money in their pockets. I was so annoyed by that. I was so annoyed by... Like, I was like, what is this? Like, is this one of the... Those, like... Those, you know, those things you... Those tanks you go into where they blow the money around and however much you get, you catch, you keep. Yeah. Um, so then we have this little scene at the end. Uh, Angel and Cordelia are lying in bed with Connor between them. And they are, like, you know, uh, Cordelia's feeding... Connor's bottle and uh, they start talking about things they want to do with the money um, Cordelia mentions uh, what's the first thing that she says so it's so it's it's like it's, it's a boat it's a boat yeah because yeah. it's college fund bills and a boat and yeah. then later ski cabin yes and they're like half asleep while they're doing this yeah and you know it, it's cute um, and I like the and, you know, we've, we've obviously alluded to uh, Angel's feelings towards Cordelia. So the picture of them here of, like, you know, a mother and father with their child. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it's a it's a cute imagery. It's a cute image. But at this point, I've lost, like, all investment in the episode. And I... Yeah, and I, I don't think, like... I don't really get anything out of this scene. It goes, The problem with the scene is that it goes too long. Because, because like their their dialogue's a little nonsensical because as I like they're half asleep, which fine, but this if, if that's the case and nothing's really going to be furthering anything, then it needs to be like half the length. Yeah, we need to just get the picture. They're tired. They are close enough and intimate enough that they they can this can be happening between the two of them. But it just goes on so long. That's that's if, it. That's exactly what I was feeling. Yeah. If they were wide awake and having a significant conversation while feeding the baby together, like, then more time, sure. Like, I'm fine with that. But, yeah, I, like, because I remember starting the scene and being like, oh, I love this. I love this so much. And then as it kept going, as it kept going, as it kept going, I was just... It wore out its welcome. I was like, okay, we got the point. We've gotten the point of what this is. And I think David and Charisma are, are doing good work here. I like, I like, I feel the the lived in intimacy between these two characters. Um, I was having a couple moments where I was like, "Is that baby drinking anything, or just is it just air?" Yeah, <laughs> you don't want you don't want the baby to like be sucking down air. No, it's bad for him. I don't even know much about babies, and I know that you're supposed to keep that bottle. Like, I mean, I'm. Well, I was about to say, I'm sure someone was on set making sure that baby was okay, but it was it was the odds. Who knows? <laughs> um, and that is provider. That's provider. Oh boy. Yeah, it's not very good. Yeah, it, and it's disappointing because it could have been like like I we get an episode like where the wild things are, for example, or like she. Where we're just like, oh, these episodes are doomed from the start. They just—they're bad premises. And I can—I can. I mean, I'm not okay. I don't want an episode to be bad, but I can be like, all right, whatever. It's a bad episode. We move on. Something like this, where I'm going, no, you—you you had a nugget of a great idea here. To me, that's worse. That's so disappointing to yeah. see a good idea 
squandered in such a way. I hate that. Yeah, I, I've literally been trying to think of anything that I liked about the episode apart from like a couple lines here and there mm-hmm. and maybe like a joke here or there. But everything that happens, I dislike everything about everything that happens to our characters. Like mm-hmm. Angel acting out of character. Um, the the wet the West Gun Fred triangle forming the basically use of Cordelia to just Dump recap exp- yeah. exposition for previous yeah. and episodes. then and then even Lauren like I mean he was there as mostly a translator and then of course like I've already forgotten about Holtz and Justina <laughs> and the fact that like they they had it just in the first half of the episode probably makes you completely forget that it happened in the episode at all by the episode's end. I guarantee those scenes were added as padding. Oh, I'm sure. Just like the Cordelia scene was added as padding. Yeah. I just... I can't believe I'm gonna say this. I gotta give this episode a 0 out of 5. Wow. I, like, I've been trying to find something redeemable just to give it like a point five or something, but I can't. This is like a 0 out of 5. Thanks. Did did I give where the wild things are a zero out of five? I don't remember. I don't. I don't know what you gave that one. Like, we, it, this is literally the first season that we've been keeping track of that, and by we I mean you. Yeah. Um, which, um, by the way, grateful for. Well, no, I'm I'm looking forward to doing like some just highlights and like uh, just some averages and and uh, you know highs and lows. Mm-hmm. I, I like. Having oh, those number values there. I love that. I love that sort of data. Yeah, when we do the recap at the end of the season. But yeah, I just, I can't find any reason to, and, and you know, I probably gave like maybe a 0.5 to that old gang of mine. Maybe it, I couldn't have given it more than a one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still kind of hold to my statement that because of the things that were bad in that episode, it's still like, my new least favorite episode of Angel, mm-hmm. but this one, I mean, it's, it is, it, it doesn't succeed at anything. Yeah, and yeah, so I'm zero out of five, man. Nice. I'm personally going to give it a one, but it, but that is because I, I, I'm. This is actually something that you kind of found things to enjoy. I found thing. things to enjoy, but at the same time, I also I I have noticed the way we grade things. You grade things on a very like scientific mathematical level <laughs> like like an, like a 2.5 for you is like middle of the road but I kind of grade more on an emotional level where for me middle of the road is a 3 um, so like when you grab something a 2.5 and I give something a 3 in my opinion we've given it the same <laughs> rating it's just we grade on a slightly like kind of different scale of how what what the grade ratings mean to, to me so for me a 1 is the lowest I'm I go personally, so I feel like our grades are the same, even though, and I, I know I probably gave an episode at some point a point five, but like, I mean, I think we both get. I really do think we both gave that old gang of mine a point five. It was it's a rough one, so but um, it's it's a one for me personally, but yeah, yeah, I I literally like have searched my brain for. Because I didn't want to give it a zero. I don't want to give anything a zero. Yeah. But like I, we're cannot... not here to shit on it. Yeah. We love this show. Like yeah. And I like and and I was trying to find stuff throughout this discussion because <laughs> sometimes I watch an episode I don't like anything about, it, but then when we discuss it, I'm like, oh, you know, maybe maybe yeah. not with this. No. I and that's yeah. okay. 
Um, so yeah, provider, what a miss. <laughs> well, I I'm gonna take that as a great transition to take us out. Okay. Because we are going next week. We are coming back with an episode that is often a miss for people, but not us. We're actually fans of this episode. So please. Join us next week. First of all, thank you for joining us this week yeah. on Booze and Buffy. And we'll be back next week talking about a very divisive episode of Buffy, uh, season six. Shocking. A divisive episode of season <laughs> six of Buffy. Who knew? Uh, this is season six, episode 12, Double Meat Palace. A love it or hate it episode. And I think I, you can guess by my tone where we land on it. Well, I... And I'll probably like mention this again in the uh, in the episode proper, but I love that when we had to pick, when you wanted us to pick episodes mm-hmm. for our first TomCon to discuss, um, and because we had like a Booze and Buffy virtual panel, which was really cool. It was so great. Yeah. Um, and you were like, oh yeah, I want I want everybody to like pick an episode of Buffy or Angel, but don't pick the ones that like everybody always talks about, and. Um, he sent that, he sent that message to both me and Ben Gerhardt, friend of the podcast. Uh, and I came back with Double Meat Palace. I was so fucking delighted. <laughs> I was so fucking delighted. And I'm, and I'm pretty sure you were probably like, where did that come from? I need to know. <laughs> I was so happy because, because that was the thing. So yes, listeners, this will be our second time discussing this episode. We did discuss it at our, our panel on TomCon. Um, and yeah, I, I was like, I don't want us to just discuss... Once more with feeling or becoming or you know great episodes, amazing episodes, but but by default because they're so good, they're always discussed. So I was like, I want us to come to this with oddball picks, and I think all three of us did a good job of picking not super obvious episodes. But Jason, you really knocked it out of the park <laughs> as because even mine and Ben's picks which were season 7 selfless and conversations with dead people are still like really highly regarded episodes you came in with a with a fucking swing with Double Meat Palace and I was so fucking happy and I can't wait to talk about because like you know when TomCon was being done at the time I believe it was still 2020 yeah, so we, we, we were still in the midst of COVID and uh, we, we were still like in the pre-vax times of COVID mm-hmm. and I and there's so many things that I tie to a specific occupation that worked so damn well for the times of COVID. Yeah. And I can't wait to talk about that when we get to this. I'm so excited to talk yeah. about it. This will be fun. We, yeah. we had to get through Provider. You know, we had to, we had to work for the prize, which is double. <laughs> All right. Anyway, take yeah. it out. Um, I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamij 357 And I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison. Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. In all of those cases, the and is spelled out A N D. And don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And each week we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week we're highlighting WaterAid America. WaterAid's mission is to transform the lives of the poorest and most marginalized people by improving access to clean water, sanitation, and hygiene. Visit www.wateraid.org for more information. And as always, go slay and be gay. Bye.